Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons & Dragons, from hungry half-orcs to humongous halflings. And today, we're guiding you through Xanathar's Guide. Okay, Will. Xanathar's God okay. came out. Yes, it did. How's how's that treating you? Uh, I'm loving it personally. I know. was very taken with the artwork. Yeah, um, yeah. I think out of, <laughs> the artwork was very good. Out of everything I was able to read, um, the artwork was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the artwork well, was very nice. There was one thing I liked right. more than the artwork as that? far as content, and um, I we'll get into it later. Oh, okay. Um, but for I'm sure it'll go with the flow of the episode. But for now. Um, I'm really excited because this is one of the first episodes I have to take notes on as well and oh, present it's true. present it's true. my research. Yeah, it's very yeah. it's very it much feel? Will's job. How's it feel? It was taxing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's more work than you think it would be. I was like, fuck. Um, but before, but let's 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 pump the pranks for a second before yeah. we uh, actually get into the nitty gritty of what Xanathar's guide has to offer. Let's announce our winners because we ran a contest for this book right and uh it was going on for a long time yeah. and um so we want to say congratulations we're just going to shout out your twitter handle and thank you at hambo 2011 and thank you to the spaces that's spaces yeah. with two s's yeah, at the that. end um you are the winners of xanathar's guide congratulations thank you for tweeting out links to the show hashtagging it dungeon cast <clears throat> i think it was was it Dungeon Cast? Yeah, it was Dungeon Cast. Yeah, you did it. I, I never have to do that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I run the Twitter, folks, if you didn't know. Uh, thank, so, yeah, thank you guys. Uh, thank you to the winners, and congratulations. And thank you to everyone else who entered. Sorry you didn't win. There was only two books to give away, but we really appreciate, like, the 170 people that entered. Yeah, guys, thank uh, you very much. Yeah. It, it really helped us out a lot. Um, I mean, we saw the growth of the show, and it's all from you guys telling people about our show. Yeah. And there will be more contests in the future. Um, so, you know, you always have another chance to win something D&D related. Um, yeah, but here it is. We're going to guide you through this guide. Yeah, we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best here. So, so how do you, how do you want to, I, I, let's start with a general overview of how you felt about the book. Do you want me to start? Or do you wanna, yeah, okay. you go ahead. So Xanathar's guide had a lot of stuff in it and it's mostly really cool. Um, there's a lot of character options in this book, uh, mostly subclasses, um, which I love. Uh, many are really cool. Like some yeah. of them really stood out to me. Uh, some of a lot of them are very flavorful, which I'm always a big fan of. I think the flavor was like the biggest thing about them. I, I think so, definitely, which is great. I felt like some were, I don't know if I want to say unnecessary, but I do feel like we're starting to get to the point where some subclasses are really stepping on the toes of other classes. I came across the same thing. And, there was a lot of crossover. Yeah, and like some people probably don't see that as a bad thing. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing, but I definitely don't think it's a good thing. I think it's a... It's inevitable, it, maybe. It's hard because there are some people that don't... I, and I'm, I struggle with how to phrase this because I don't want to put anybody down, but like some people want to read the book and do what the instructions say. True. Whereas like, we've been doing fine without Xanathar's Guide. You know, time, if we right. wanted something that happened to come out in Xanathar's Guide, we would just make it ourselves and try to balance it as best True. we could. Yeah. But I do trust the creators of the game and I do like what I saw as far as like, there were some things that I thought were a little too powerful, but yes. they make it, that makes 
it very enticing to want to play, though. Right. It's very true. So yeah. Like, oh, I wow, that's in this book. I'm definitely buying it. And I, I can see why they did that. We are definitely seeing the beginnings of Power Creep. It's yeah. Just, it's happening. Like, uh, there, there are some things in this book that are just blatantly more powerful than the things that came before it. Um, honestly, fifth edition's doing a great job of keeping power creep very, very slowed down, but it's an inevitable process of a meta developing in any game whatsoever, yeah. even a role playing game. It's that creep. And so here we are. And, but, but yeah, it's hard. Um, They're like in card games, like magic, the gathering, there's like format changes where they can like right. these cards, you cannot use them anymore. Yeah. And it eliminates the power creep and sets it back down to like zero. Yeah. And then, but inevitably near the end of like, they call them formats. They, mm the power creep is back yeah and then they yeah. gotta swipe it clean again yeah uh, um there are some rules some variant optional rules that they actually put in this book to mitigate power creep we'll talk about that that's more towards the end uh speaking of which this book is full of a bunch of variant rules and it's full of a bunch of rule explanations yeah some erratas and um, clarifications i really yeah, like which is really cool and useful um some of the variant rules I, I would be more interested in than others. Most of the rules clarifications, I think they're good to be there. I'm sure there's plenty of people who use them. I probably won't use them just because I'm more fast and loose with my game running anyways. Yeah. And I just call it how I see it. I, the thing is, like, I'm sure there are people out there that need some of these more detailed, tedious, like, how how is this explained in-game mechanics? Right. But for me, I just hand wave it, make this check, we're, we're moving on. Yeah, but, I, I liked some of the descriptions, and but I feel how you feel about some of the other ones. Right. So so there's those. Uh, they introduce racial feats in this book, which mm-hmm. are fucking cool. They're so cool. I didn't get a chance to look into that, uh, so hopefully you can explain some to okay, me. Okay, yeah, they're, they're really nifty. Um, they're very powerful. They're very potent. Okay. They're very power creepy, but I love them. Um, I think as... Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I would call myself an old school D&D player because uh, 3.5 and 4th edition aren't all that old, but it's very reminiscent of the previous editions, and it just, it yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Cool. Uh, this book is also full of a lot of random tables, most of which I will never use. Mm-hmm. I would even venture to say that there are so many tables that I almost felt like they were padding the book a bit. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, it, they were just like throwing ideas in there. And I kind of like, I read that, um, the, this is your life chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, that's is where that the I, backgrounds one. Yeah. Well, that's, it starts out with like a lot of those tables. Okay. Like those yeah. ideas and stuff. And yeah. like, it has the backgrounds in there and everything. And I was yeah. like, these are cool ideas, but it's stuff that I, as a player, like I had this concept as like, this from a movie or something like that, you know, right. like, or a character I read in another book. I'm like, he's like this, but the ta- if you don't have the external to like pump into your, yeah, your yeah. character creation, there it is. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. Th- those tables aren't, aren't for us and that's right. okay. Like those tables are for someone else. I do have them. an idea about yeah. what to do with the tables though. That's yeah. if you're, if you're running out of things to do, I don't know if we want to get into it later near the end or if you want me to tell you now, go ahead. Just tell me now. <laughs> just like I, I've, I might've pitched this to you before, but it's um just letting the there's okay. So there are games where you, don't use the die as much. You don't use your D20 as much as maybe somebody else's game. But there's okay. people game people's games where they use the D20 for everything. They're mm-hmm. using numbers to decide lots and lots of things. Why not just roll that all the way back to the very beginning? Mm-hmm. I am rolling for a class. I'm rolling for a race. Right. I'm rolling for a background. Mm-hmm. And I'm using these tables and I'm rolling the dice to randomly generate you, everything about the campaign. Yeah, if you want a, a truly randomized experience, I yeah, those tables are, are a must. Yes. Definitely. I, I mean, so. like, what else even is there yeah. to do that with? Yeah. And, and it's all provided for you in Xanathar's Guide and the Player's Handbook. I, yeah. And maybe the DMG, too. You probably don't need anything else if you're going to do that. Yeah. I mean, the Player's Handbook also has many these same tables for like your traits and your flaws and your bonds and all that stuff. right which again is really here's the thing okay <laughs> these these tables are really cool and i know that they're necessary and the reason that i know they're super necessary for a lot of players is because of what happened with fourth edition with fourth edition i the the basic premise of that entire edition is mm-hmm. that the only stuff they put in all the books had to do with mechanics all the most of the flavor, all of the role play rules, all of that stuff wasn't written because they figured, well, that's up to the players. Everyone role plays their own way. We don't want to tell people how to role play. Yeah, it's so it's such a creative process. Yeah. And because of that, it backfired in a horrendous way. And everyone for the longest time likes to say that, well, with fourth edition, you can't role play as well, which is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard in my life. That is just completely 
utterly wrong. Like there, there are no rules to the role play, so it's free form. It's up to you. But I think a lot of people need that structure. Yeah, I can see people needing like, like a jumping off yeah. point. Like they've come to a standstill and they need like the next thing to give them inspiration to flesh out this yes. to make like a more well-rounded character right and so fifth edition has taken a completely different approach and they include a lot of lore and role play and all the things that they write uh which is fantastic and i think it's overall better for that but these tables even though i will never use them they are truly necessary i do know that for a i agree fact. i think it's yeah. much better to have them rather than not have yeah. them because i've seen what happens when you don't have this stuff yeah. And it backfires. Like so. people, I'm playing a game. I'm reading the the material that's mm-hmm. provided for the game. I want to play the game. Right. I want right. to just make shit up. And I can see I can see why people have that approach. Yeah. Okay. So that's my overview. Do you have Do you have anything you want to add to that? Your own take or overview on on Xanathar's Guide, or do you want to start diving into specifics? I mean, it's a really good like I kind of uh, it was overbearing for me to try and get through the whole book because I literally was like, I'm going to read this bad boy start to finish cover to cover and <laughs> right. I didn't make it. And yeah. I was just like, oh man, we got to record this episode. Right. I, I tried to skim through the rest, but uh-huh. you know, the first, it's a good read. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a good book. It, I thought it was uh, the best read out of any D&D book I've tried to crack and do that with so far. Interesting. Interesting. But it's almost like, um, like the, these books aren't really made to do that. It's almost made yeah. to like use the index and jump from the thing that, thing to thing of what you need if you if you get your hands on like one of the adventure um modules like uh, yeah. curse of Strahd, those right. are those are set up differently that's well as a dm you're gonna want to read it yeah design I, it to be read i haven't done that yet in those books i i use the index and go to certain things but yeah. i yeah i can see why you would want to read the whole thing through for sure okay well let's let's get into specifics let's yeah. start with subclasses subclasses is are the biggest thing. It's the biggest section of the book. Right. Um, I think it's the thing that everyone's been looking forward to and talking about. Oh, yeah, because all the Unearthed Arcanas. Yes, and yeah, that's a where a lot of them like, showed up. A lot of them showed up. Oh, yeah, that was another thing about uh, this book that I wanted to mention and I thought was an interesting choice is there are, although there is a lot in here from Unearthed Arcana, like we said, there was a lot in here directly from the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Oh, cool. Like, the stuff that's in here in Xanathar's Guide is in its same official form in Sword Coast Adventure Guide, which is a much older book at this point. And I thought that was interesting at first. I was like, why would they do that? They're just double printing. Are they just trying to pad this book again? And it kind of dawned on me that, no, what they're probably trying to do is trying to limit the amount of books a player needs. Right. Because like, that's a module book, the Sword Coast Adventures Guide? It's, it's specifically a Forgotten Realms book okay. um, because the Sword Sword Coast is a big part of the Forgotten Realms world. Um, but it's also a much smaller book with a lot less content in it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably the thinnest D&D book. Oh, right? yeah, probably. So with they took a lot of the more essential stuff out of that and plopped it into this book because, again, like they don't want you having to like search down all these books because, well, there's I, a rule later on uh, we'll talk about at the end of the episode that plays into this concept of like having the least amount of books that you need. And but, I'm sure, right. I'm sure part of it is like, let's pad the book a little bit. I'm but, sure that is a little but bit. Like, but like it consolidating, this is a good opportunity. If you're going to do it, this is the best opportunity you have. I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about subclasses. There was a lot of them. Most of them are very cool. There were so many that we obviously cannot talk about them all. I chose. Yeah. They could carry their own episode. Oh a lot yeah. Of them. Which without a doubt. Yeah. Which, that's another thing we'll talk about at the end of this episode. Um, I chose three specific subclasses that I particularly enjoyed. And I picked, about. Uh, I, I snuck a peek at your notes and oh, I yeah. picked two more that weren't in your notes. Okay, that cool. Coincidentally, are actually my favorites. Oh, okay. So awesome. I was like, okay, That's, cool. Will, I can see why Will likes this. Yeah. I like this. Okay, yeah. So let's, yeah. let's talk. And, how about you do one? I do one. You do one. I do one. You do one. Yeah, that, that works. That okay. Works. And I just want to say, like, <laughs> these aren't the best or. Like some of these are more flavorful, some of these are more mechanically cool. Like, I didn't pick these three because they're the best. I picked these three because they were the best to me because yeah. they're the ones that I would like to role play. Right. Okay. So, um, one of the first ones that popped out to me was the ancestral guardian subclass for the barbarian. Okay. Which is interesting because the barbarian is probably one of my least favorite classes. Which isn't to say I don't like the barbarian. I love the barbarian. It's a great class. Just as far as like choosing one to be a player. Yeah. Like of all the classes, it it's probably close to the bottom. So I was really surprised when uh, a subclass really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And so this concept of the ancestral guardian is basically like. You come from a tribe of people that really holds their ancestors in high esteem. For okay. me, for me, it had a real like Nordic kind of feel to it. Okay. Um, like, uh, it, have you ever? Do you know what Einherjar is? 
No. It's it's an old Nordic word for like the ghosts of warriors past that like will come and fight when the horn is blown or something like that. It's some old Nordic tale that yeah. I'm sure I just butchered, so I'm sorry people who, who like the Iron Harry are, but they are a major influence on this uh, subclass because this subclass is about summoning your ancestor, your warrior ancestors to come and fight alongside you. That's awesome. Which is fucking cool. That's like, uh, that reminds me kind of like Mulan, like Chinese culture, like, right. like how, how in depth they go with like honoring their ancestry or like, yes. like Dia de los Muertos or like Day of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. kind of thing. Like, oh, we got to make sure we keep like our dead family happy. Right. And or, I think, yeah, that definitely family plays will reward us this. and not yeah. haunt us. It's a very, sim- in a very similar vein. It's the same, nice. same as this. Although you want them to hunt you in a good way. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Come haunt um, me in battle. So, so the basic premise <laughs> of this subclass is that you can summon ghost warriors that they appear. I don't even think, I don't think it's a choice either. I think when you rage, they appear. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm now, scared of my own rage. I know. Right. Now, the way this played out wasn't how I thought it was going to, because I thought, OK, the, you're going to rage and these ghosts are going to show up and they're going to fuck some shit up with you. And they they do in a way. But this acts as a very tanky class and it's, it's a very defendery class, like almost like old school fourth edition where you would mark your enemy and like oh, nice. and stuff like that. And what the ghosts do is they basically they soft mark a target that you hit and so if that target tries to hit someone else they uh, have disadvantage and your allies resist the damage if they do hit oh cool so i call it a soft mark but like that's pretty hardy like you're you're basically locking in that enemy to only attack you because it's stupid to attack anyone else right this super reminds me of the fourth edition sword mage oh why does that sound like it's gonna play well with something i have notes on oh i don't know maybe i don't know what you have notes on. maybe we'll be able to touch on it yeah i just thought this was such a cool concept because with the barbarian you usually think a barbarian just rushes in and fucks shit up but this barbarian rushes in and much like a black hole just kind of keeps things stuck on him right and uh and maybe isn't dealing as much damage as other uh, barbarian subclasses, but is definitely mitigating much, much damage to his allies. It's which like is a big, really cool. tanky defender class almost. Yeah. yeah, and then later on, you can uh, you can use a reaction to mitigate damage to allies uh, for creatures that aren't even like f- with your soft mark that isn't a mark. You, you understand what I'm saying? Kind of. So yeah. like, okay, so the creature that you hit has that um, has that. It's not even a condition, but has an effect on them where they have disadvantage and your allies resist. Right. But later on, you can use a reaction for if your allies get hit by someone else and your ghosts can intervene and then they you mitigate damage to, to your allies in on other enemies that too. That sounds really fucking yeah, cool. It, it's really cool. I love the flavor of this. Um and I think one of the, the one of the main reasons that I really like this subclass was for the longest time I've been really playing around with the idea of homebrewing my own sword mage class because mm-hmm. I really like the fourth edition class of sword mage and the current iterations of that in fifth edition really don't do it yeah because they don't have the, the yeah there age. really isn't one yeah they don't have the aegis uh, uh, uh ability where you basically shield your allies in this exact same way right and so I'm like oh this is a good this is good scaffolding for a homebrew that I've been thinking about making. So more, you know, just the fighter version of this. Yeah, well, no, a sword mage would be its own class, but I would take these same features and reflavor them because they work exactly how I imagine the sword mage's features would work, mechanically speaking. That's awesome. So, so yeah, that's that's one of the reasons uh, this one stuck out to me. Ancestral Guardian, um, it it looks cool. I like it. Okay, okay. So should I go now? Yeah, yeah. Um, What I really liked was... uh, I loved all of the bards except for one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk about the one I don't like first, which is what the the sword bard. Yeah, the College of Swords, I think it was called. Yeah, God, I was you didn't so like that one? I was so disappointed with it. Okay. It was like, why aren't you just a fighter? Yeah, but I love yeah. the I love the flavor. Like you're a bard, and your 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 magic comes from like sword magic, like performance magic, right? And that's cool. But like when I was reading it, I was like, this is just fighter stuff. I would say, and I didn't look very closely at this one. It's funny that that's your least favorite because flavor-wise, it's my most favorite of the bar. Well, I'm saying mechanically, Mechanically it's it's probably my least favorite. I was thinking this, like, this might be, and I'd have to look closer at it, might be a good way for a fighter to multi-class into bard. And I thought about that, too. That might be a cool thing Mm -hmm. to get extra extra stuff out of being a fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought of it more of, like... And I think all of the bards, well, one of the other bards is like this, but like just stacking it onto fighter is cool or something else. But a class should be able to stand on its own. And I feel like this doesn't quite, like, why didn't you just be a fighter? 
Yeah, I feel you. I know. I, I feel you. I feel like that with a lot of uh, the subclasses in this book. It's it's like I don't know. Like okay, sorry to no, no, take go ahead, go ahead. The arcane archer. It's probably the most. Uh, what's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People have been waiting for that for that class, and it looks awesome. And it looks awesome. And it's it's a uh, I love the a, art for that. It's a class with some history too, because yeah. everyone's always loved the arcane archer. I like the arcane archer, and I understand why they chose to make it a fighter subclass. Mm-hmm. I just wish they had made it a ranger subclass. Ah, uh, that would be cool. And the thing is, like, rangers are already. They've already got a little magic going on with them, you know? Like, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, always, it already makes sense. And it specifically says in the subclass for the, for the, art, for the Arcane Archer um, that you can have a nature spin on it or more of an elemental spin on it. Yeah. Both fit, especially a nature one, to the Ranger. And the Ranger is a class that needs as much help as it can get. And, like... Yeah, I, but that's just you know what you know, I understand. I should have read more about the Xanathar's yeah. Guide Rangers to see if there was a buff to. Um, oh, they, there are some cool subclasses, but honestly, the Arcane Archer should have been added to it. But anyways, <laughs> back to your back to your thing. You want to talk about the Bard? Let's well, talk about the Bard. My favorite of the three was the Glamour Bard. Okay, it's got the I think most it's a popular one. Mechanically, yeah. like ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Right. Um, what do I got on here? The it's almost like you're like producing this thrall. That's going out and like you can select certain people to thrall when you're doing a performance, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or you can like um, you can. uh, What was it? You take the. um, Oh, yeah. The extra defense. Um, Let's see. I'm not good at notes. Will. Yeah, <laughs> but I, think I really I rem- like. I, I think I remember glancing at it, and wasn't there stuff about like enticing an entire audience at once? And yeah, stuff like and that? you can like yeah. select a certain number of them to be enticed. I right, think, right. I think there's a certain limit on that. There's yeah. um, but what I really liked was casting command as a bonus action and not having to use a spell slot. I think you get that at that's six level. Cool. Command's one of my favorite spells. So that's and cool. that's just like like what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, free spell. It's a bonus action, so it's just like free stuff. You get yeah. just to do free stuff. But I really like the flavor of it more, where you're just like you make yourself more beautiful or like very whatever. Fey, very fey oriented. Yes, yeah. and that's yeah. really cool. I can see like you being an elf and doing this sort of thing or a half elf and doing wanting to do this sort of thing. Like, yeah. let me entrance you with my beautiful, whimsical nature. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But the the one I like the best, I think, is the um, the Bard of Whispers. And I really like the lore that they added for that. Okay, okay. It's almost like you're an assassin. Okay, I think, yeah, I remember something like that, yeah. And I thought that was so cool, and I want to try multi-classing it with an assassin rogue. Right. Like, you're, you're rogue, you're, you're mostly rogue, but you took the, you go into Bard enough to get the College of Whispers, mm-hmm. and the flavor for it is, like, you're this, like, other bards don't like you because you're, like, soling their name, and you're dealing right. out, like, psychic damage and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And that's fucking awesome. You're, like basically trying to manipulate others with your like psychic like you're like like you're sneaking through the shadows and stuff it's like just a really cool addition to being like the sneaky stealthy killer or like you're going in to get like get information from somebody like you're like the anti-bard that's what I, I read it and i was like oh shit you're like the nega bard okay <laughs> the nega bard that's pretty cool i like that yeah i remember i i saw that i didn't look too much into it i think that was one of the subclasses i was like mm, are they stepping on the assassin's flavor a little bit that i thought um they were mm-hmm. but you um, thought it was a good thing but i thought it would be really cool to just like shove them together almost like how it's like we were talking about the, the the sword college kind of just being shoved together with the fighter. Right. Um, I think it's much cooler in this aspect, though. Right. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Okay. Um, but that that's my favorite. I really... Um, so you like the, the College of Whispers was your big takeaway from the bard. Like, I think if I were going to play a bard, just a bard, mm-hmm. I would play the glamour bard at this point. Oh, okay. And if I was, if I was going to play a multi-class and pick one of the bard classes to multi-class with it would be mm-hmm. whispers i would i really want to run an assassin with the uh, college of whispers bard multi-class fitted in i like it i think that'd be really cool yeah that'd be that'd be super dope so what do you what do you got um so next i want to talk about my favorite takeaway i don't even know if it's my favorite takeaway anymore like but i, I really like it. it it's for the ranger um i i think on on twitter i probably tweeted a couple times about uh really really looking forward to this subclass but the monster slayer subclass for the ranger yeah i really really liked it. that sounds awesome yeah it it really makes some of the the multi-class ideas that i've had before a lot more flavorful and possible okay 
And basically, the Monster Slayer, it's it's a more potent subclass, which, of course, is something that's needed for the Ranger, that where you really, really specialize in killing. <laughs> and the reason I, I like this is because it does this without stepping on the Assassin's flavor at all. Okay. Because with the Assassin, it's a, well, it's about assassinating. You know, it's about right. sneaking in, killing people, doing stuff like that. With the Monster Slayer, you specialize at killing everything, but specifically monsters. Right. Um. Which is, I don't know, that's really cool. You, know, you go out there and you slay giant beasts. That's fucking dope, right? It, it kind of fits in because you have like a favorite enemy, you know? Yes. Now, one of the things that's disappointing for me when it comes to this subclass is there are no features that pull in that favorite enemy feature and do something with it. Okay. This is both a good and a bad thing. Like, it's it's a bad thing because, like, I really wanted that and, like, I figured that that's flavorful and cool. But it's a good thing because... When you do that, you become so specialized that you can become bad at the other at killing things that aren't right. your favorite enemy. And I yeah. think they were trying to step away from that. I will say this though: the you get um, the the extra spells that you get for this subclass are really they really have a slaying of evil feel to them. So this plays into my like Van Helsing concept. Oh yeah, or, like okay. a Buffy the Vampire Slayer concept of like killing the undead right. without being a cleric and being good at it or being a demon slayer. Yeah. Um, these spells really, really lean towards that flavor and I, I like that. I, I feel like the Ranger is like the master tracker of all the classes. Oh definitely. Definitely so that, absolutely that's like a cool fit. Yeah, it is. It is. You um you get a really cool feature that like gives you access to metadata, like actual data out of the monster manual. Oh what? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm trying okay. to remember how it works, but basically, like you can make a check or or something like that, and if you succeed, you get like all the metadata. You get like the the all the resistances, the behaviors. You basically, the are reading the page. You out basically of the basically read the page of the monster manual, <laughs> which I I actually really like. I think that'd it's be funny simultaneously as a DM being hilarious like, here, you cool. just read this out loud. Yeah, <laughs> and literally hand it to him at the table i think a lot of dungeon masters don't like this idea or may may not like this idea because it kind of feels like that's the one thing you don't do as a dm you don't reveal what's behind the screen right but what i like about this is it really makes the ranger feel the way the ranger should where the ranger inexplicably has like this insight and knowledge into this monster and can bring this info to the table to help their party yeah like, for just strategize and plan before a fight is really important. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, players in my experience don't really do that. They yeah. just like to jump into the fray and like, ah, oh, crap, that slashing damage didn't do shit. Yeah. Guess I'm yeah. not doing that anymore. Right. But right. knowing it beforehand, that really changes the landscape well, of the battle. Also, I think it's a thing that like we, we hear about or see in movies and books, you know, that moment where like the master warrior and like maybe a couple newbies get into a fight with a monster and it's like, don't look at it in the eye. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, how does he know he's got such experience? Like, he's so cool. Right. Like it's that moment. And it's that moment built into your character mechanics. That's fucking cool. I like, um, it kind of sounds a little bit like what you get at level seven for a fighter. Uh-huh. Where you like kind of get the skull level uh, of the of yeah. the enemy. Yeah. But it's not as detailed. You kind of be like I think you get it like it's HP. You and get to measure up a creature and like yeah. it, it's level and it's CR rating. You get something like yes, that. Yes, and um, it's and it's more yeah. like you size it's like sizing it up, like, can we win? I think it'll be tough, but we can. Right. You right. know. Which I think is very fitting for a fighter, but for the ranger, I like this whole metadata yeah. kind of deal. Like the specifics. Um, it's really cool. You essentially gain you gain a, a feature in this subclass called Slayer's Prey, which is it's pretty much Hunter's Quarry from fourth edition. Okay. It's basically extra damage that you you basically you hone in, you pick a target, and now that target takes extra damage when you hit it. Nice. Um, which is awesome. And I forget how much damage see, I think I wrote it down. Let me see. Uh, I didn't write it down, but you gain extra damage. It's like calling your shot. It's like calling your shot. Um, It's it's honing in on your prey, Mm -hmm. uh, and it stacks with your Hunter's Mark spell and all your other bullshit. So, again, very potent, very, very uh, uh, damaging subclass, which, again, this class needed. Have you played, Um, like, arcade games where... um you know, like shooter arcade cabinets where they like focus in on the enemy's weak point. And they want you to shoot it here and oh, shoot it yeah, here. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Like, yeah, hit it twice it? in the neck. Yeah, I, I, and that's how I would picture it, definitely. Cool. Later on, like, you get other features that kind of boost this whole Slayer's Prey thing where, like, you get boosted, like, I think, saves against creatures oh, that's that sweet. are your target. Nice. And you get, um, you're able to counterattack them with a reaction if they had hit you. That's cool. So it's like opportunity attack just for fucking having the audacity to actually swipe at you. Yeah. You know, which is cool. Uh, I love that with the ranger. You're like getting hit and you haven't, you take out an arrow and you can't like shoot it. So you just stab that mug in the, yeah, in the face yeah, or whatever. So uh, later on you get this, uh, it's called magic users nemesis where you can, you can disrupt a spell. And I think 
I think the magic user basically has to make a save against your wisdom. And if they succeed, they pull off the spell. If they don't, it either messes up the spell or there's half damage. Something you disrupt the spell. Mm-hmm. Now, this is really cool and very flavorful, but I thought it was an interesting choice for a feature because it's it's very specific and nothing else in this in this subclass is as specific as like you also fuck magic users up. It's not like and you also fuck up large creatures or you also fuck up undead. Like just for some reason you have this specific magic user fuck up ability. So <laughs> cool. it's cool. Um, it's just it's it's kind of like the odd duck, but it's a good ability. So I was like a little like groups of enemies that have like one spellcaster in it and you're like oh that guy's gonna fucking murder us while we have to get through all these little little small fries in the front yeah and with with this guy in your team or girl like uh yeah you you got a little bit of ammo against them yeah um reading makes me tired well it makes me tired too man let's take a short rest let's take a short rest Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode where we're not talking about Xanathar's Guide. We're talking about you and how much we love you. We love you. <laughs> Let me, uh, we have some announcements to make. I know we already talked about who won the Xanathar's Guide contest. We did. We did. Congratulations once again to you guys. Um, but we want to talk about a couple of real special people to us. <laughs> and to uh, that's um, Jesse Hamby. Man, thanks for upgrading your Patreon to uh, a higher tier. The high, One of the highest tiers. Yeah, pretty much the highest tier. <laughs> we appreciate you very much. Um, uh, your shirt's on the way, man. Yeah, your shirt's on the way. and Or uh, it's there. Or is it on the way? Uh, when this airs, it'll probably be there, I think. Maybe. If it's not there, it's on the Maybe way. Not. Maybe not. It's it's definitely on the way, though. It's definitely on the way. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Edward Bowman. Bowman? 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 Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Uh, we, we really appreciate you as well. Thanks for jumping on the boat, the Patreon boat. Dungeon Cast Patreon boat. Appreciate you. <laughs> Yeah, um, but thanks to everybody who's been talking about the show. We know the contest is over, but if you want to help us out, go ahead and tweet out a link to the show. And, mm-hmm. and Will and I appreciate it infinitely. We see the reviews, we see the comments, we see the likes and subscribes. The subscribes, though, yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, yeah, um, thank you guys. What else do we got? We got anything else? I mean, yeah, just as a, just where to find us. I think that's all that's left. Well, if thing. you want to find, now, us. I don't even know why I record short rest anymore. You just do it all. I just sit here and go, mm-hmm, yeah, what he said, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you can find us on SoundCloud.com slash the Dungeon Cast. You can email us at the at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, just search the Dungeon Cast. Thanks, Josh. And um, you know we're on iTunes or on Stitch or any podcast app, really. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. 
All right. <laughs> Let's go back, back to, to the, the show. show. <laughs> well, we're back. We're back. We're back. And I think I, I closed out the last half of the episode with talking about the Monster Slayer. So why don't you tell me about a subclass that you liked? Let's talk about the Cleric. Okay. Let's, um, let's do. I've been playing a game in um, mm-hmm. special guest Jake's game where okay. we we run amok in dinosaur land. I'm a <laughs> I'm a dinosaur born. I have a a lot. I'm a long neck. I'm like a brontosaur humanoid. With That's like, cool. My That's neck is just cool. longer. I have a tail. <laughs> I have like a tail attack. It's like a it's like a homebrew a reflavor of the dragonborn kind of. Right, right. Right. And um, that all being said. This isn't about that at all. We have a cleric. <laughs> we yeah. have a cleric in our party, a dwarven cleric. Okay. That took the forge domain from Unearth Arcana. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh there's a bunch of cool fucking features that this guy has been using greedily on himself. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um one of them being uh making your weapons or making a weapon or a piece of armor magical with a plus 1 bonus to either the AC or the attack. Yeah, forge clerics are dope. That is Redonkulous. Yeah, low levels. It's very powerful. Like, and it's very cool. Yeah, what the hell? Like all yeah. of a sudden, there's just somebody with a magical weapon in the party, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. the monster manual set up to kind of mess up players at a certain level because they don't have magical weapons yet. Right. And it's like, how are we gonna kill this thing? Yeah. We're not doing any damage, <laughs> right? And right. this guy's just coming in like, yeah, I'm awake. Boop, touch yep. your stuff. Yeah, yep. you like it when I touch your stuff, don't you? And he does, and he's just... But our cleric is just touching his own stuff and not yeah. telling us about he's it. He's not being very supportive. <clears throat> no. Oh, he's not even telling you guys? He's just telling Jake, like, <laughs> low-key, like, I touch my stuff. Okay. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm always just, like, into... You know, I'm playing a wizard in that game, so yeah. I, my mind is all over the place. Like, what spell am I going to cast next? <laughs> right, right. And um, it's, it's, I'm not paying attention to what he's doing, but I've noticed him, like, using... He's like... Hey, I have this much gold. Can I turn my shield into like some bullshit? And and the DM's <laughs> just like, hell yeah, you can. That's what your shit says, right? Okay. Right. So like you can um you can forge new weapons and armor and stuff like that and right. for money <clears throat> or <throat> and materials, I'm sure. But it's really cool that you're calling down like the power of your forge god or whatever to right. do this like the forge super just good. on the fly. Like I'm out <clears throat> and about and I'm like you know, using the power of God to forge my shit. At least I think that's how that works. Right. I think so too. I didn't read too in depth on the forge cleric, but I do remember being interested in it. It looks like a very interesting take. And I remember it uh, seeming very powerful and potent. Yeah. Flavor wise. It's like really, um, it's not the most like intricate, like kind of flavor. It's like very straight and narrow flavor. Like, you eventually get resistance to fire damage, which is cool because oh, nice. you're like always working at like with like fiery materials and stuff. Definitely makes and sense. And then eventually at the high levels, you get like invulnerability to fire. Like oh, you just wow. don't, you're not affected by fire. That's really cool. Yeah. And that was what stuck out to me the most other than like um, be- making weapons magical with a plus one. Just mm-hmm. like as long as <laughs> it's funny what it said in there. It's like once per long rest. And, or until you die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it literally right, well. says until you die. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, fuck. Interesting. Well, I think that's to differentiate between if you're knocked unconscious. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. that's cool because your your physical like spirit is still there channeling the divine energy or whatever. I guess so. That's what I immediately yeah. thought of. So that's yeah. sure. That's what I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're like a um, like clerics are all about like kind of bolstering the party or like protecting in some form or fashion like Mm. guidance or bless or like but this particular cleric is more like i'm fortifying shit Mm. like i'm literally making armors and stuff and i'm proficient with the heavy armor and all that and i'm using it i'm i'm frontlining it seems like this is a really good cleric to frontline with yeah i I would say so definitely for me it's a very dwarven feeling cleric yeah and i think that's why our player took that route he's like heavily constituted and like bulky you know yeah it's cool it's it's a classic way to go with a dna character and it's really cool i like it yeah and then the other one uh the other subclass i really like was the grave domain um i think there was only two in there yeah those were the only two i didn't even look at the grave domain it, it just didn't draw me to it. Honestly, I like it um, as far as like a character's um, class or whatever dealing with uh, like the dead or the undead or anything like that, like how a necromancer would be. Yeah. This feels like a better take on, I don't want to say a better take because a necromancer seems like its own totally different thing. Right, as but, it should. But this is kind of like that where you're dealing with like prolonging like you're literally you're manipulating life forces it seems like right and you're prolonging people's lifespans if they're close to death and if they've got something to accomplish you can prolong their life 
and okay. make it like okay. like call down from your god and be like we need this fool like don't let him go yet and right, I can, like right. let me use my power to save them and you can do you can prolong people's death or you can like send people to death that are close i'm pretty sure oh wow. um, okay that's pretty interesting yeah you can do lots of like it just um for your like there's this ability at level eight potent spell casting um you add your wisdom my uh, mod to um cleric cantrips mm-hmm. which i think is cool like it's a cool little buff on stuff like I don't know. You just, it's like for clerics, it's this so, it feels so different than all the right. other clerics. And right. it, it kind of stuck out to me in that way. It's like dark and brooding. Like all the art for it was like, <clears throat> like candles and scrolls and like kind of like this pur- dark purple kind of uh, nasty, icky feel. Okay. Okay. Would you say it had an evil feel to it or like a more neutral kind of? I feel like um, it's kind of how people depict the Raven Queen kind of Okay, being. so very neutral. It's then, just yeah. like the laws of life and death are <laughs> right. under my control right now. Right. To some degree. Yeah, yeah, I and, get it. And it, it does feel like a very Raven Queen-y thing. Yeah, it's just like it has this, uh, it feels like you're inside of a mosque, <laughs> like when you're okay. playing this character almost. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I I like that one. Um, I, I, I'm noticing in my notes that I didn't get a lot of the specifics like as far as like, this gets a plus to this or whatever. Right, right. And I did write down this like potent spell casting. I thought, Oh, like, Oh shit, that's cool. Like I got to write that down. But, yeah. um, I feel like maybe we'll get into more of this late in later episodes. We will. As far we as, will. Like, there, there's so much content in this when it comes to the subclasses that I want to basically do a retake on, on classes where, okay, we'll, we'll do the fighter and what we'll cover in the fighter class breakdown part two is yeah. we'll take the fighter subclasses from, uh, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide and from this book, Xanathar's Guide, and we'll just kind of go through them, discuss the flavor and the mechanics and stuff the like that. The fighter, again. Yeah, the fighter, again. <laughs> Part two. I think I, I was playing around with the idea of calling it Classes Revisited, but but we'll we'll, we'll decide that Yeah, we'll, get, that, we'll get there later. So I got one more subclass to talk about before we kind of wrap it up and, and talk about the other stuff in this book. Um, this is probably the one I'm most excited to actually try out, the the Warlock subclass, the Hexblade. Oh, yeah. Now, this I know is, we've been talking about this for a while. It's super flavorful. It's also very mechanically sound and potent. Um, it's also very front-loaded, so multi-classing is going to get exploited with this thing like a motherfucker. And as far as like the art I saw, um, mm-hmm. I think this had one of the coolest pieces of art in the book. That I'm try- I don't even remember. It was like that tiefling with that big-ass sword. I don't remember. It's really cool looking. (laughs) For sure, for sure. One of the things I don't like about the what was written for the X Blade is it for some reason they felt the need to like tie this thing down to the shadow fell only. Yeah, I saw that. I immediately disregard that. I'm like, you don't get to tell me like (laughs) where I make my pact. Like maybe a fey maybe a fey uh an arch fey wants to give out a hex blade version of of the Fae Pack. Like, sure. You don't you don't tell me how to run my game <laughs> DD book. But but anyways, um so it's a very front loaded class. You 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 get um two level one features. One's called Hexblade's Curse, the other's called uh Hexblade Warrior. And to sum it up, basically, you get the ability to curse enemies, and those enemies get bonus damage on them. This is a blatant fourth edition feature called the the Warlock Curse in, cool. in fourth edition. Um you Enemies that I believe are cursed, you get an expanded crit range on them. 19 or 20 is now a crit. Right on. Uh, you get temporary HP on cursed targets when you kill them. Uh, I think it's equal to your charisma mod. Oh, let's let's go off subject a little bit because yeah. I saw the um, the errata on uh, temporary HP. Uh-huh. Like if you're granted temporary HP and then you're granted temporary HP again, uh-huh. you have to choose one. You don't get to stack them. It's like you never one... got to stack them. See, I didn't know that. That yeah. was that was a cool like. I didn't know that. I just thought like, oh, you get this temporary HP and this. Yeah, it's like this little like literally like if your HP is like this block, mm-hmm. you have this block here and you can only put one temporary HP block on top of your HP block. You get yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. And if yeah. you want to use you get another one, you have to pick which block you're putting on. top. Yeah. It, yeah. It's always worked like that. That's cool. ever since fourth edition. Yeah. Well, they felt the need to write it down. I so. think it's, it's a common question because I think uh, if you're new to the game, you like. We're like, oh, cool, even more? You just keep yeah. stacking it. And like, no, you can't, no, they, you can't stack it. And a lot of the erratas were like, don't stack your stuff because it makes everything way yeah. too broken. Nothing stacks unless it sa- says it stacks right. for the most part. Uh, or unless like the two mechanic, like for instance, um, we, we talked about this in the multi-classic episode where uh, Relentless, um, gosh, what, re- was it Reckless Attack? 
or no the raging the raging uh resistance that you get and like the monk and one? the and the rogue uh uncanny dodge do stack. oh that's right the reason they stack is because one is resistance the other is just a having of damage and at this time we've recorded the multi-classing episode yes. but haven't dropped it yeah we have more to come on multi-classing yeah. so but that's why they stack because they're not actually stacking they're two mechanics working in tandem right but nothing stacks unless it says it stacks yeah there was one with like the monks um what the the resistances for the barbarian and stuff? Mm-hmm. Was that it? Uh, the sun's killing me. I'm just checking my battery because I think it's dying. But oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I'm listening. I thought it was the something about the barbarians' um, resistance to slashing damage and stuff doesn't stack with like if you multiclass with the monk. There's something that no. The uh, what we're talking there is there's uh, unarmored defense. There it is. You can't have yeah. both of those running simultaneously. That's what it like, was. They're the same feature. You have to choose one. Right. Um. Okay. But well, let's get back to back the to the hexblade. You also get. A use of better armor and weapons you get upgraded to medium armor and you get upgraded to um i think i think it's all military weapons or maybe you just get to choose one i actually don't remember i'm gonna plug this in do it don't let it die and uh so either way you get to upgrade to your your weapons and your armor as a hex blade and on t- this is the final thing and you get all of this at level one you can swap the use of uh, charisma for strength when it comes to your weapon attack. Super cool. So you just get all of this bullshit all at level one, and it's all awesome, and it all makes this whole hex blading really fucking cool. I also thought that multi-classing this with Paladin and just fuck strength. You just go all charisma. Nice. So that you don't have to, because you get a swap charisma in place of strength, so now you get to really focus and, and boost your spellcasting ability mod, and it's simultaneously boosting your attack mod. The power of my shit-eating grin has now stabbed yeah, you. There, there it is. <laughs> um, later on, you get to summon a specter from those you kill. Hell yeah. And that specter gets to fight for you. And I think it has <laughs> like ha- half your HP is its full <laughs> HP. Yeah, no, it's fucking cool. Uh, later on, you get like bonus defenses to your cursed enemy. It's all about your cursed enemy and just fucking that dude's life up. Um, <laughs> and his afterlife a yeah. little bit. Also, uh, this isn't tied to the subclass of the Hexblade because that's basically it. I've given you the overview of the Hexblade. But the the Warlock gets a whole bunch of new in- invocations. Okay, uh, sweet. Some of which are tied to the new subclasses, some of which aren't, all of which are really fucking cool. Um, I don't really want to get into it, but there's a whole host of new invocations in here. So this was a very good book for warlocks. I will say that. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's those are the three I chose. I chose Ancestral Guardian, Monster Slayer, and Hexblade. I just thought they were all really cool. Yeah, Bard is definitely my favorite mm-hmm. out of all the stuff, but um, I really like the, the the cleric as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't have too much of an opportunity to get into. Anything like the else? back end of the book, really? So okay, do so you have anything on that? There was a section on backgrounds, which I didn't care for because I wanted more backgrounds. They don't give you more backgrounds. They just give you more of this role play flavor stuff that you Detail. can look at for the current backgrounds that exist. I'm sure that's useful for some people. I'll never use it, but it's there. Yeah. Um, they included racial feats. I think there was like maybe 10 or 11 feats uh, specifically tied to races from the player's handbook. And it was like okay. one or two feats per race. Um, so they're, they're adding to the existing pool of feats, but you yes. get to take them if you're a specific race? Yes, that's exactly okay. how that works. Okay. So like the ones that really spoke to me were there was a tiefling one called Infernal Constitution, which I've actually taken on my current tiefling character. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which it gives you a plus one to your con and you resist cold and poison damage now. And you resist all poison saves 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 against the poison condition okay cool so i i chose it, it because it, it just makes my already tanky character more tanky and i just think it's really flavorful and cool so not only do you resist fire because you're tiefling you never resist cold and poison nice and you have advantage on poison saves i just think it's okay cool. i was gonna ask you if that's yeah. what you meant by um i think you said it, you have extra resistance on your save but you, you said that there. yeah yeah ba- that there. yeah that's basically what i'm saying uh, another one that that spoke to me, and I'm trying to remember the details. It's Fate Teleportation, where if you're a high elf, you can take a feat, and now you get Misty Step once per short rest. And it's not tied to your spells, which is nice. It's just a lot of Fae stuff that teleports like 40 feet or whatever. Fae is all about teleportation. They're all about yeah, it's teleportation. It's all about blinking to different areas. Beam me um, the fuck up, Fae Scotty. Yeah, so there there it is. Again, there there's a lot of optional rules, a lot of rules clarifications. I don't really want to get into the nitty-gritty of it. They spent a whole section of the book trying to make tool proficiencies better. Yeah, we were talking um, about that before the show yeah. a little bit. I, 
I, I'm sure this is, again, useful for someone. Not useful for me. I understand the the heart of what they're trying to do, though, because the, I guess basically what they're finding is that people aren't using their toolkits. Right. They're yeah. Just it kind of gets skills. it kind of gets put to the wayside. Like, yeah. yeah, you have these tools. Crack that lock. Yeah. So and not really getting into like how they work or what they've done is if you have a proficiency in a tool and you are making a skill check that could be utilizing your proficiency in this tool, you get like advantages or certain bonuses and whatnot. Again, it's cool. But what I find is like when we start getting into like these sub rules on top of other rules, these things get forgotten, mm-hmm. at least in my games. So they end up not getting used, but I'm sure there's a whole group of people out there that love this and I'm sure they're going to use it. I'm sure it's really cool. Um, there was some rule clarification on, on, identifying spell targets and like spell zones and whatnot which okay again i'm sure it's used for someone i'll never use it um there was um something that was useful was there's a new table to help you calculate encounters for multiple monsters because i oh, think nice. the one yeah. in the dungeon master's guide is a little bit flawed and i i talking to new dms that's like one of the biggest questions i get from newer dms is like what how do I build this encounter? Cause I don't want to kill my players in this encounter. I, right. I want to challenge them, but yeah. and it's a difficult thing to do. So this, this chart's supposed to help. Okay. So, I got to take a look at that. I, 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 I struggle with that a little bit too. Yeah. For me, I eyeball it. I just eyeball it. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that's the best way. And I, I kind of want to avoid doing that as much as I have been because I'm really okay. guilty of it. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's, that's worth looking into for me. Yeah. They, um, there are an obscene amount of random encounter tables based okay. off like terrain and environment and stuff. I really don't think this many tables was necessary. Like I think a few would be nice, but there's just pages and pages of this stuff in this book. And I feel like they are blatantly padding this book. It's a, it's a, it sounds like a lot of work, but once again, I really want to do the random generation, all random generation. And that's and cool. Yeah. And, but the thing is like, it was just so much. It was just like this, this <laughs> Jesus, uh, they, they did include traps and more rules on building traps, which I think is very useful. And uh, they yeah, provided, um, like levels for traps and all kinds of new examples of traps because in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's only like six examples. So yeah. this added more examples and gave you uh, better ways of approaching complex versus simple traps and stuff like that. Very cool. This I will use without okay, a doubt. Okay, cool. Um, they implemented, uh, I, I talked about this in the downtime and crafting episode, yeah. those unearthed arcana rules that I talked about. Right. Totally implemented them in this book. They're now in official form. They're identical. They're really cool. I highly re- recommend you look at them if you're a dungeon master because uh, they're super cool. I will probably be using these. I think I mentioned that I, I just look at like history for traps. Like mm-hmm. if you, you want to look at the tombs of Egypt, like that's pretty good. There's some sick traps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but for downtime and crafting, I, I definitely recommend, ch- recommend checking out this section. Yeah, this this one's cool. Um, they have a section of magic items, which are common magic items, uh, which I think has been severely lacking in the game up to this point. And it's really like innate stuff like, um, um, or inane stuff that like a helm that makes your eyes glow red. Like it doesn't do <laughs> anything, but it's flavorful and cool. It's just a whole list of magic items that just do cool, flavorful stuff without... Uh, being overpowered, which again, this game has needed. Right. Okay. Um, that's you know, again, the the book ends with a smattering of variant rules. The one of which that I kind of want to talk about was the one rule that they recommend that you use to mitigate this power creep, and it's called uh, crap. I actually forget what it was called. It was called, but basically, the premise of it is you, when making a character, are allowed to use the core books and one. Of these additional books. So, like the Player's Handbook plus Xanathar's Guide. And okay. you can't touch anything else at, in any other book when making your character. What else would you touch? Well, what do you mean? Like what other supplement would you use? Uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Okay. Um, any of the, the module books that have extra stuff. Any of the Unearthed Arcana stuff. So, so the rule is just you can only use two books at a time. Player's Handbook plus one. Okay, gotcha. That, that's the rule. So, for example, you can make a half-orc hexblade. But you couldn't make an Asimar Hexblade because Asimar is in uh, Volo's Guide. Oh, and Hexblade yeah, is in okay. Xanathar's Guide. 
and yeah, so there it is. So it has you can't make you can't use Volo's guide and Xanathar's guide. Yeah. You have to use player's handbook as the base. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then you Plus stack whatever. Book. Okay. Now this is probably very effective at uh doing exactly what they want, which is to mitigate uh power creep. I will never use this rule because this severely, severely cuts into uh character creation and getting creative with it. Like, yeah, will I have to deal with power gamers? Absolutely. But I have ways of dealing with power gamers, my friend. Um, I think that this is a useful rule for, again, some people. I will never use it. But um, I do appreciate that they are making the effort to mitigate power gaming. I think it's important that they do that. And I think this is a very effective way to do that. Yeah, things can get out of control quickly. Yeah. And with that, uh, I think to just to wrap it up, this book has a lot in it. And some of which I find more useful than others. All of which I think are useful overall. And I highly recommend this book to to anybody out there who's looking to get into the game of D&D. I had one more piece of, uh, two more pieces of art I wanted to talk about. In the book. <laughs> okay. All and right. the first one is the paladin tiefling that they have in the paladin section. Mm-hmm. It's got like this mace that's a face. Like a, oh, like yeah? a dead person. It looks like a dead person's face. It's got these weird like crazy like curved spikes coming out of it Mm -hmm. and i've just never seen or imagined a tiefling looking like this and like all this really cool silver chrome armor oh yeah and like a bunch of daggers in the belt and like (laughs) stuff like that i was like oh that's so cool that's cool and then like right after that there's this dragonborn with like kind of like this brown like clay kind of colored skin Mm -hmm. it's wearing like these really light textured blue robes and like a little staff and i'm like Mm -hmm. What the fuck is this? Oh, was, was it like, like uh, for uh, like a it wizard? Was a paladin. Right? It was a paladin. Yeah. Oh, I think I remember the the one you were talking about because it was supposed to be an example of like the paladin of devotion. I don't remember. And it's supposed to be a pacifist paladin. I was just like, what is this art? Like, yeah. it just looks offensive to me. But I, it might be just because like it was it was like. Because I saw that tiefling, I was like, wow, that's like a cool, like I never thought of a tiefling looking like this. And then I saw the dragonborn, I was like, wow, I never thought of a dragonborn looking like this. This is disgusting. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a dragonborn just being in robes like a caster. But it just looked bad. It oh, was like, it? They were like, because dragonborns are like kind of meaty and buff. Like, they, uh, just, they, like They can be lanky and not buff at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always see them like, I and mean, picture them as like this. Yeah. Maybe it's because of one of the other characters we've rolled with being so tanky oh but, yeah yeah but like i just saw this art and i was like wow that like it broke the mold and i didn't like it it's interesting because well that's the thing like most casters don't have any strength or constitution thus they're they're lanky and weak okay and like not all dragonborn are buff it's very true like, okay some are lanky and weak and <laughs> i also i i wanted to touch on the beginning of the very first pages of the book with like xanathar being uh like a beholder that likes trying oh, yeah to, that's that is a thing that we didn't really even talk about it was cool like they're oh, we talked to, about in the beholder they're trying episode. to make a like a premise for making the book like because it's called xanathar's guide to everything. it's funny you think it's cool i think it's atrocious oh really it's <laughs> because just like this I, weird like kind of funny little story because it's uh, this beholder that's got like a like yeah. it's unshaven like it's been spending I, all its time reading or something i like the lore behind xanathar i like xanathar and the whole his thieves guild that he runs and like yeah the whole mental kind of thing he's got going on and like he's kind of like an outlier when it comes to the way beholders run. I like Xanathar. I like Forgotten Realms well enough, and I like him. I do not like the fact that we keep tying into core D&D books all this Forgotten Realms lore. Forgotten Realms is a campaign setting. Okay. And, like, the fact that we're so married to Forgotten Realms as, like, the new vanilla D&D blatantly offends me. Oh, really? I hate it because, like, the Forgotten Realms isn't, vanilla D&D. Okay. And it never will be in my mind and heart. Like okay. vanilla D&D is its own thing and I hate the fact that Forgotten Realms is the new vanilla because it never was before and it just shouldn't be. Like they're just trying to ride like, it's the Forgotten very, Realms. It's exactly theme. what they're trying to do. Okay. Yeah. Cuz like they're using it they're like tying the book into like this is why this book exists and yeah. like it's like Volo's guide, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and Volo's guide does the same thing and I just right. don't like it. Okay. Like, because like See, I don't know about that, the Forgotten yeah. Realms. I, I didn't even realize Xanathar was a Forgotten Realms thing. I was just like, yeah. oh, this is a cool beholder where they're yeah. trying to like explain why they're writing this book canonically yeah. in their little like D&D canon. And thus the reason why I hate it. Because now <laughs> it's making Forgotten Realms synonymous with D&D in the hearts and minds of all the new people. And it's just like, uh... no. Just well, see, I no. didn't even like. I didn't even tie. I wouldn't have never realized that that is a Forgotten Realms thing without right. you telling me right now. Okay, well. 
I don't know. Maybe like, maybe okay. just because I do know that it offends me, but it just does. It's so secular to me. Like, yeah. okay, this character Xanathar now exists in my mind, and right. it's a beholder, and it's just yeah. like it's so different from all the well, other and, beholders and I've and ever I think, seen. And I think someone who's a big Forgotten Realms fan might not like that part too, because now you're diluting the the established campaign setting. And now people don't even realize that it's campaign setting. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's true. Maybe Forgotten Realms diehards out there can tell me if that's how they feel. But I think that's how I would feel if, like, suddenly Dragonlance became the default uh, D&D setting or, or, I don't know, like, Dark Sun. Here's the thing, like... The reason they chose Forgotten Realms isn't just because it's the biggest, most popular of the campaign settings, but it really is the closest to vanilla. Okay. It's close enough where, like, you could get away with it, but for me, it's, like, it's not close enough. Like, I don't like the Forgotten Realms pantheon. I think that's one of the most things that I hate the most about Forgotten Realms is their pantheon fucking sucks. <laughs> and in my opinion, obviously, there's going to be people that disagree. And, like, I don't like the idea that the now the vanilla D&D pantheon is Forgotten Realms pantheon. That fucking blows to me. <laughs> so, anyways, I don't want to... We, we're so now is, diverging well, off of Xanathar's well, guide. Well, is vanilla, like, the original, like, first edition? Is that mm-hmm. what you're... Is, what is vanilla D&D? Vanilla is this abstract thing. It changes from edition to edition okay uh in fourth edition it was they actually started to come out with like more concrete it was called the nintir veil or the dawn war pantheon okay um that's where the raven queen comes from and it's where a lot of uh stuff that carried over that we don't talk about anymore because they don't talk about fourth edition anymore right comes from um it was always this obscure it it simultaneously does and doesn't exist it, it, and that's the way I think it should be because, like, it should exist in the imagination of the players and the dungeon master. <laughs> okay. Like, it should be up for interpretation. And when you tie it into a campaign setting that is not up for interpretation, that damages the brand, the brand to me. Okay. That's yeah. the way so, I feel about so it. So here's just all this stuff. Do with it what you will. Exactly. Okay. That's yeah. the vanilla D&D. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Like, yeah. hey, you want orcs? Here's some. Right. Or you want elves? Sure. There, yeah. There are elves. Exactly. All okay. right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Let's call it a game. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Bye, guys. Game. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there. It's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.